everybody. Welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. Today we begin a five-part series called Rethinking Christmas, where we're just going to dive into the history, the background, and the actual experiences of Christmas versus our traditions. For the next few weeks, we're going to be just talking about Christmas, but talking about it kind of in a different way. And we're going to be really just looking into some of the historical things, the background, years of prophecy, Jewish history, all kinds of stuff that really help us to understand a clear picture of what actually happened at Christmas. We're going to be dealing with things like our traditions versus the reality We're going to be looking at the way we want it to be so magical, and yet it was actually very messy. We're going to be looking at our American ideas of what happened and how many of them are completely bogus versus the Jewish reality. And we're going to be talking about it as the way we make it this isolated event instead of connecting it to the whole story of God and the people that he created. Now, it's not going to be super Christmassy. So for those of you guys who are like maybe not Christmas fans, hang with me. Do not worry. It's not going to be all about this like Christmas, Christmas thing. It's going to be more of just just a look, like a rethinking, kind of almost a destruction, if you want to look at it, a deconstruction of Christmas and hopefully a reconstruction of what the reality is and why it matters so much. So today is actually going to be really not Christmassy at all, as we just kind of talk about just some just some background and just some things that I've been thinking about and experiences and all that good stuff, cycles of humanity, good things like that. So hang with me. Hopefully by the end, it will all make sense. Guys, I just finished listening to the last episode of the Mars Hill podcast that Mike Cosper has been doing with Christianity Today. And it was two and a half hours long. Yes, I'm serious. Two and a half hours long. It took me like four days, maybe five days to really listen to it now that I don't have as much time anymore now that I'm teaching. And ah, wow, it was a rough one like just really heavy, just really heavy. And as I've been processing that last few days and just really thinking about it and just grieving, I guess, for the people at Mars Hill, for the people that were burned by the people at Mars Hill, for just the elders that dealt with Mark for so long, just all people that were just hurting. And it it mirrors things that have happened to me. Like, it's not an isolated event. And as I've been reading things online and listening to people's comments and stuff like that, like, there are so many of us out there that have been through just similar experiences with church where something just broken and wrong and abusive happened. And we were told to just cover it up and hide it and move on and protect the people who were doing the things that were wrong. And I mean, it's just, it's not isolated. And I hate that. I hate that about our modern versions of Christianity and how so much of this is happening across the board. And as I'm processing this, I'm just thinking about the mess of our modern church because it's not, it's not just one church. It's not just one celebrity pastor. Like there are so many broken churches out there and churches that have broken people out there. Like it's just devastating. And I think about it and I think about just the celebrityism that we we celebrate, these celebrity pastors that we long to listen to. It, it's funny that one of the statements that they make in the Mars Hill podcast, it's in the introduction every week, is like this idea that people want to be led by a narcissist. 
It's like we're looking for this celebrity person who's just bigger than life and is willing to just be that bold person. It's like we we want that somehow. And we're enabling these kinds of things to happen over and over again. And we're willing to just shut up and let them take charge and let them tell us what to do. We have a twisted view of authority. Like, it's messy, guys. It's it's disastrous. I think about the power structures in so many churches where it's just set up for just one person or maybe very few people to have the power and the hurt that that can cause. I think about our church buildings and so many of them are more of a venue than they are just like a humble church. I mean, they, they're staged, they have fancy furniture and they have fancy coffee bars and they're, I mean, they're a beautiful venue. But is it really the church that Jesus intended when he left 2,000 years ago? Is this what he wanted the church, his body, his bride to become and to be? The programs that we just insist upon having and needing and and maintaining and the exhaustion that that it creates and these people who are trying to maintain them. And like, is it really supposed to be a place that we just come and consume? And this is stuff that I've talked about before. And you're like, why are you talking about this now, Christy? And how does it have to do anything with Christmas? Well, I think it has a lot to do with Christmas because we look at our situation that we're in right now with the brokenness in our church. And there's kind of two groups of people, if you will, I think that, I mean, obviously there's more than just two, but there's the people that are just really sticking to their guns and they're like, nope, this is Christianity. This is the Christianese bubble world. This is the thing. This is what we need to do. These are the behaviors we need to have. And it's really frightening to me how many people that are quote unquote normal Christians are just getting sucked up in some of the same lies that I was taught in my cultic version of Christianity and just the same things that are the focus and the behaviors that are the focus and just the heart behind it all and just trying to do the things. And guys, that reminds me so much of the Pharisees. So when Jesus came to earth as a baby, there were these religious groups. There were these religious people that were kind of in power and you had the Pharisees and they were zealous for God's law. They loved the law so much that they made thousands of other rules to follow. And they were all about doing the things and behaving a certain way and having people just notice them and get the praise and think of them as holy and religious and special. And they missed God walking in front of them. But there's another group of people that I think we often miss that were right along with the Pharisees, and that's the Sadducees. And they were kind of a group of liberal religious people who were really relying on human reasoning. And they had just decided which parts of the Bible weren't accurate. And they no longer believed in a resurrection from the dead. They didn't believe in other things that they felt were just unrealistic or ridiculous. They really just depended a lot on their human reasoning. And unfortunately, I feel like as people are recognizing the problems within evangelical Christianity and the problems in the church, we jump to this other extreme where we're just looking for human reasoning and we're looking to just discard many of the core things of the faith because they don't make sense or because they were twisted in a way that hurt us. And so we have these progressive and they're kind of called ex-evangelicals that are just really out there just chopping up the Bible and saying, nope, nope, this no longer makes sense. It doesn't make, I don't like this. This can't be right. We're going to get rid of this part and we're going to kind of rearrange it the way that we like it. And it's like, I look at this and I'm like, oh my goodness, we are doing it, it all over again. Like human beings do not change. We just cycle around and around and around and around and we get stuck in the same things over and over again. And so 
here we are at this place in human history with our church being a mess that it is and things being exposed and things coming to light and us having to really rethink how we do this. And here we are right again with the same two groups of people. We have religious Pharisees who are zealous for the law, zealous for behaviors, and they don't necessarily listen or are willing to like rethink things. And then we have people who are like the Sadducees who are just depending on their human reasoning and just chopping things out and saying, nope, that can't be true. That can't be true. <laughs> it's interesting. I, um, I'm not an ex-evangelical, but sometimes because I tag things as deconstruction or reconstruction, ex-evangelicals find me and they get excited at first. And then as I share some more um, historically orthodox things that I still believe at the cores of the faith, they get offended and they leave, which is fine. They don't have to stay. But it's funny because I also tend to offend people who think that I'm more conservative than I really am, and they also get offended and either argue with me and then leave or just leave. Um, my newsletter and my stuff like that, mostly my newsletter, people will sign up for the newsletter and be like, wait, what is this? Never mind. Like, I feel like every, every month I lose more followers than I gain, which by the way, hey, I have a newsletter. So if you want to sign up, you can find that. Either on my Instagram, there's a link, or there's a link at my website, christylinwood.com, in case you too want to um, follow it and then hopefully not leave. Because, but you can if you want to. You know, it's all good. Um, it's called Rethink, and I rethink things every month. So once a month, you get a little blurb in your inbox talking about a lot of the stuff that we talk about on the podcast and stuff like that. So if you're interested, sign up. But anyway, I just find this, and I'm like, you know, it's so interesting. Like these people missed God, and I don't want us to be. In the same cycle, guys, I don't want us to jump from the whole religious Christianity thing and jump into this whole liberal Christianity thing where we're just doing the same thing. Like we're just doing things in a human way that misses God. There is more to this than we can understand. There is more to this kingdom of Jesus and this spiritual stuff and this person that we are than just the things that our human minds can grasp and understand. And if we're going to really find the real God, we have to be okay with this tension, this paradox, this mystery, and this fact that he's bigger than us and crazier than us, and he's not always going to make sense, and that we are not the end-all, be-all for everything. And so you know that I'm hesitant about this whole thing, but here it is again. Like just, I look at the place of Jesus as he was coming into the world, and I see the same kind of stuff that we have right now. And I really and truly am praying that a lot of this stuff that's coming to light is just going to lead to a reformation of the church. It's going to lead to a revival of the church. And I just don't want us to miss that because we're so consumed with either behaviors or our own human reasoning that we miss what God is doing, that we miss who he is right here in front of us. So who found Jesus, guys? I I spent most of COVID in the Old Testament. So I would say the first full year of COVID, March to March, I was probably in the Minor Prophets. And that was really just kind of, kind of like validating, I guess. I, I felt like, wow, look at the world was kind of a mess before and we survived. And so it'll be okay again. And it was great. I loved it. Then I spent some time in Ezekiel, like a good chunk of time in Ezekiel. And that was interesting. I, I hadn't been there in a while. And so there's a lot of really crazy stuff there. And it was really good. I loved it. But just recently, I'm back in the Gospel of Luke, and wow, guys, after spending a lot of time in the Old Testament like that, coming into the Gospel of Luke and seeing the birth of Jesus in a new way, that's really what just inspired me to do this series, because I'm just, I'm just amazed by Jesus. 
even in his birth, like he just comes and just just turns everything upside down. Like what you expect, and he's not what you expect, and he doesn't come like you expect, and it's just it's just mixed up and backwards and inside out, and I love it. But you think about from the very beginning, the people who really experienced Jesus were not the people that you expected to experience him. And we are not going chronologically in this little series, just so you know, we're going to be popping around different things. But as I'm reading through the Gospels of Luke, I was first just struck with Zechariah and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist. Just these are just these humble people who were broken, I mean, in their own way. And Zechariah, he's a priest. They're both of the line of Aaron. He's a priest, and Elizabeth is his wife, and she's also of the line of Aaron. And she's barren. Like, she doesn't have any children. And I don't think we understand what that looked like in those days in our Western culture. Lots of people choose not to have children and or limit their children and stuff like that. It's not, it's not a big deal to us. But, like, it was a shameful thing in those days to be barren. Like, something's wrong with you. God has judged you. Like, it's not okay. Like, there's no blessing in your life because you don't have children. And here are these just broken yet faithful people just doing their thing. And God shows up and he gives them a baby and he gives them a promise. And he's like, you know, your son's going to be somebody who's special to me and is going to be a spokesperson for me. And I I love that. I mean, like, it's just, it's just wild. It's, it's wild. I mean, you look at the people that God already came to between Zachariah and Elizabeth and you moved to Mary and Joseph. Like Mary was just a young woman, like just ordinary young woman, faithful, seeking God, but just ordinary. And she was from a town of the Nazareth, which was just like not a good town, did not have a good reputation. It was kind of a podunk little town. And later on, when Jesus comes on the scene, one of the guys who's asking about him, they're like, he's like, wait, he's from Nazareth? Like, does anything good come out of Nazareth? Like, you? And that's where God chooses to send his son. Like just this ordinary woman from a podunk town that nobody respects or likes or anything. And you look at the humility of that and you look at just the brokenness of that and how God is not who we think he is. And as I fast forwarded in time and I was looking at after Jesus was born and his parents bring him to the temple for the purification of Mary, the people that recognize him, here he is a baby in the temple. And the people who recognize him, there's Simeon, who's this old guy. And I love what it says about Simeon. It talks about how he, how he's a man who is devout and righteous, how he's waiting for the Messiah. Like he's waiting for God to come. He knows something's going to happen. It says that he's just filled with the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he wouldn't see death until he saw the Christ. Now, this is a time when the Holy Spirit wasn't just on everybody. The Holy Spirit kind of came and went and did its thing. And it wasn't like it is with the with the church these days. And so I just think about this guy. He's just this humble old guy, just seeking God, just faithful, righteous, devout. He has a relationship with God, like a relationship that's not normal necessarily in his time period. He He sees Jesus and he knows exactly who he is. He just praises the Lord. He's so happy. He says, you know, I'm so, like, he's so grateful because he knows he can now depart in peace because he has seen with his eyes the Savior. <laughs> like, ah, that just blows me away. I love it. The fancy people, the celebrities, the powerful people, like, they didn't recognize God. It was these humble people. 
And the second person to recognize Jesus in the temple was a woman who was a widow. She'd been a widow for years. Talk about shameful. And she was a prophetess. So a woman and a prophetess and a widow. <laughs> like, we don't understand the Jewish culture, but that is just not the kind of person that uh, somebody who had power and celebrity and fame would want to come to. And yet that's who God chose to reveal himself to. And she recognized Jesus as well. And she was so excited that so she came up that very hour and she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. This woman just lived in the temple. She just was there day and night worshiping God as this humble, broken widow. And, and she just spoke as a prophetess to everyone who was listening, saying, this is him. This is the Messiah. Guys, God has always been found by the broken ones. And this would continue throughout Jesus' life. The people who recognized him, people who believed in him, people who followed him, they weren't the powerful ones. They weren't the ones who believed in their own understanding or in the behaviors that they needed to perform in order for God to like them. They were the, the outcasts. They were the rejected ones. They were the humble ones, the broken ones, the poor ones, and the simple ones. And they were the ones who discovered Jesus from the beginning of his life all the way till the end of it. And the same is true today. God is found by those who seek him, not by those who think they know, but by those who are willing to learn, who are willing to embrace the mystery of it all, who are willing to realize they don't understand, and maybe it doesn't make sense, and that's okay. So as we move through this Christmas story and this Christmas season this year, I just really hope that you'll be encouraged by this, by this different way of thinking of things. I want you to be encouraged in this crazy world that we live in. This is not the first time everything's been a mess. Look back at history and you will see this has happened over and over and over again. And God always does something. The Holy Spirit is not done right now. And Jesus is not done with his church. He is doing a new thing like he always does. And he is drawing the broken back to himself. So if you're a broken one, if you're an outcast, if you're lonely, if you're lost, if you're in need of healing and hope, there's good news because that's exactly the kind of person that Jesus finds and that finds Jesus. So take heart, my friends. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Thanks for listening. Sign up for my newsletter if you want to. You're always welcome over on my website and follow me on the socials and all that kind of good stuff. Send me an email and I will talk to you next week. Until then, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com. For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.